Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code, the management consultancy for what happens next. For more information, you can visit heroncode.com. In this podcast, we will be talking to female leaders of today to inspire the leaders of tomorrow. Today in the Heron Code studio, we are joined by Dr. Shanila Laiju. She began her career in dentistry before progressing and evolving to clinic supervisor, operations manager, group chief operating officer, and now group CEO at Medcare. With over 18 years of success, Dr. Shanila has extensively contributed to the group's internal culture by inspiring teams through people-focused hospital administration. She also serves as a mentor on the Women Leadership Program at Asta DM Healthcare. How to be the best healthcare provider, not only in the UAE, but across the world. Once you've developed that and your colleagues trust you, I think the rest of the journey is very easy. We as women doubt ourselves. We don't feel that we probably are not ready. But I think that's something you underestimate yourself. And that's what I keep telling everybody. There is nothing as a gender that should stop you from doing what you want to do. You're going to be stressed at work, stressed at home. You're just going to lose your peace of mind. But I think that detaching myself and empowering my people really helped me. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code. Dr. Shanila Laiju, welcome to Heron Code's Women in Leadership podcast. How are you? Thank you, Nimi. Thank you so much for inviting me to the show. I'm doing good and hope the same with you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, so far on the podcast, we've had some strong, strong women from all different types of walks of life, all different uh, corners of the world and all different industries. But to have you mainly just at the forefront of the healthcare industry globally as well, you've worked all over the place, is an absolute honour. So thank you so so much uh, once again for being here and we really like to take our listeners on a journey with every guest that we have and absolutely we're going to be speaking about all that you've achieved in recent times and all throughout your career but you actually started your career in 1994 is that right when you decided to go into dentistry yes I mean I finished my dentistry by 1994 uh-huh. yeah so um, yes after my school days like you know I was very passionate about going for dentistry for the reason I had my dental treatment. I had an orthodontic treatment, you know, where you put your wires. And I found that it's very interesting. So, you know, that's what inspired me to go in for dentistry. And you were born and raised in India. No, I was born in India, but uh, in Kuwait. In Ku- oh, so you were I, raised in Kuwait? Yes, I did my wow. schooling in Kuwait. Okay, so wow. So how did that happen? What happened there? <laughs> no, that was there. Uh-huh. So basically, we all shifted to Kuwait when he got a job there. Uh-huh. So I was, my school days were all there. And then I went to back to India for my college. So I did my dentistry back in India. Okay, so where did the passion to go into dentistry come from? Was there a moment? Was there a, a, a push from family? Because also coming from Indian heritage as well, and an Indian background, doctor, dentist, lawyer. <laughs> no, we actually, we had only those options, yeah. to be honest. But as I told you before, the dentistry thing came to me because I did my own treatment when mm-hmm. I was putting. So I had a long-term one-year treatment for my orthodontic, the braces that I put. And I think that's what I got interested. I need to do this, you know. Yes, as you rightly said, the Indian culture then was not like uh, now how it is. So there was a lot of pushback. Why do you want to send, uh, you know, they're going to stay alone in a hostel, so there was a lot of pushbacks from family as to, oh, she's a girl, you should, you know, get her married soon. I mean, it was difficult uh, in the beginning, but my parents were very strong. Like, I mean, she wants to pursue that, she goes for it. So I think I had a great family support from my parents. So nothing stopped them from sending me despite all that, that they heard about. I mean, I, I know because, you know, my grandparents and my grandmother was there. So she was like, how is she going to go live there alone? Mm. And, you know, so... 
But I think uh, I was pretty determined. And as you rightly said, we didn't have much of an option now. Like, I mean, then, sorry, like how you have now, because then it was either you're a doctor, you are an engineer or a lawyer or the maximum a teacher. Mm. So not much options on their career. So I was glad that, you know, I could pursue what I wanted to. So nobody really pushed me into dentistry, even though my dad was like, uh, don't you think it's better to go in for MBBS? You have to put your hand into everyone's mouth. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's what I want. <laughs> no, and that's amazing that at that time you also had parents who backed you no matter what, because a lot of people didn't have that uh, privilege, I would guess, especially coming from that culture. So how was education for you? How, how was that whole process? Were you living away from your family or how, how was that? Yeah, so I was in a hostel. So I lived in, I um, mean, I went to this a place called Mangalore, which is south of India. I was in the Kasturba Medical College, which is known as KMC. Yes, I was away from my parents for five years. So it was a five-year course that I went into. But I think that was one of the best journeys that I've had, where you start meeting new people. Because, you know, when I was in Kuwait, so probably I got a lot more exposure going into and seeing. Of course, it was an Indian culture. Way back there, we had more uh, diverse cultures. But I think those five years were one of the best times of my years. I would say that amazing journey, beautiful people that I've met with, beautiful teachers and professors. So I think, yes, initially I did miss my parents and family. But then, you know, uh, the latter part of it, you felt like, do you really want to go on a vacation Mm -hmm. back home or do you want to stay back with your friends? (laughs) So I really, I I think that was one of the best five years of my life. And and the social circles, I guess, you formed there, the network, the professors, how important was that in your journey? It's very important because, you know, see, these are the people who've guided us. What I am today, probably, that was a stepping stone where, you know, the foundation was laid for me. And I'm so proud that I have a lot of colleagues all over the world who are famous doctors, dentists. So we had the uh, MBBS and the dental uh, in the same campus. So we had a lot of common friends. So I'm very proud that, you know, I could uh, network with a lot of people who are in very good positions now. So you have any health problems now, being in the healthcare itself, you have people all around the world where you can reach out to for expertise opinions. Mm. So I think I've really built a great relationship, whether it's my professors or with my colleagues as well. Mm. And what was your personality like? Because when I was still at university, I was very, very timid. I could barely speak to anyone, even though I was doing a journalism degree, ironically. But in order to network and in, or, in order to make those social circles, you need to be, you need to have the guts to go up to people, to exchange cards, to exchange contacts. How are you with that? Oh, I think I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> I'm a very happy-go-lucky person mm-hmm. and I love making friends. I love meeting people. So I think I used to take a lot of the initiatives, you know, <laughs> so I, I used to love meeting and making friends. So I think it was very good, pretty extroverted nature. Amazing. So I think that really helped me. You Amazing. Know? So after your degree, you went back to Kuwait. Is that right? No, I didn't. Where uh, did so you go? After that, you know, when you finish your dentistry, then the pressure of marriage comes in. Oh, Again, no. as an Indian culture, you reach a certain age and then people are like oh no you should get a married you should get a married so that pressure came from family uh-huh. and I think I didn't have much of an option then <laughs> but if it was today probably I could have said that you know what you have to wait because I mean I think the times have changed you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so then I think I had to literally move into that role of marriage wow so in 93 I finished my course and nine I mean 93 I finished my course and uh, 
I think six months later, I got married as well. Mm-hmm. So the same year. Wow, interesting. So your parents were like, look, we let you do the degree. Now please just do one thing we're asking. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Everyone was happy in the end, I hope. Yeah, because I mean, I did try to say that, you know, to work for a while and things. But um, I guess, uh, you know, I was blessed that at least they told me, okay, I could go for what I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So, okay, make them happy as well, this side. And pressure from grandmother was, you know, my grandmother was literally like, you know what, if you don't get married now, you will not have healthy children. You will not. <laughs> so all those things were there. But yeah, I think I got married. I listened to everybody. I became the good daughter and wow. got married. <laughs> we all have that pressure to be the best daughter ever. So you played that role. You changed roles, I guess, essentially. Family orientated, had kids. How was that period for you? Because you were full guns blazing with the degree. You were powerful. You were strong. You knew exactly what you were doing. And then you came into a different role, which, how did that role change for you? So I wanted to, of course, practice dentistry because I'd uh, pursued that degree. I'd struggled so much for five years. Uh, And my husband was pretty supportive in, uh, you know, uh, pursuing the degree. He said, yes, of course, you should work. And, you know, you have uh, really struggled these five years. So I started my career. So we were uh, settled back in uh, Kerala, uh, south part of India again. And I worked in one of the private clinics there. So I was there for, I think, uh, four years I worked in India. And then that's when we decided, like, uh, so being, you know, in the Gulf all my childhood, I've always wanted to come back. I mean, I, I mean, I don't think that I could really settle in there uh, completely. So four years, so I used to keep brainwashing my husband, who was really not looking forward to moving down here. Mm-hmm. But I think I got successful in convincing him. Yeah, <laughs> I had my son in 1998. And it was after that, uh, you know, I had a complicated pregnancy, went through a little bit of those uh, high-risk pregnancies and things. So after my son was born, I think uh, four months later, that's when we moved into Dubai. Wow. Wow. And I have to say, like, mentally, that takes a toll on someone. You know, I myself don't have children. I'm in the same position that you were in. Grandmas, uncles, aunties are on me saying, you know, have a baby now, it's time. But that pressure of, you know, the work-life balance comes in, right? Yes. So, so Nimi, what I've always wanted children. So I mm. think that's something I wanted to really, you know, looking forward to. But yes, of course, four years I did work. I wanted to also make sure that I did establish my career then. So after my son was born, yes, I should tell you I took a break. Mm. Actually, I wanted to enjoy that moment as well. So once I came to Dubai... My son, after that, I think my two boys are just one and a half years apart. So I got my second baby after the uh, one year. Mm-hmm. So it, I was handful with two children. It's like bringing up twins, you know, <laughs> and two boys. It's not easy. <laughs> yeah. So I decided that, you know, I need to take a break, probably just enjoy the motherhood. And, uh, you know, those, those days you don't come back when they're really small. So I really took a break for four years. Wow. So that was a long break where I even thought that would I go back to my career? Would I start working or, you know, I wasn't really sure what's going to happen. But I said, let me enjoy the moment as it is. Enjoy the time with the boys. So after my second son started his school, that's when I decided, like, you know, I should probably look at. So there was this exam that you had to give over here. So I thought I'll prepare myself for the exam. That's when this opportunity of uh, going into the administration came for me. Mm-hmm. So this is when the, the Aster uh, Healthcare so they approached me and then uh, they were like, you know, why don't we just look into the administration if you're not looking into. So this was like something new to me. And I was um, excited to venture into something that was not my field, but again, healthcare. Mm-hmm. So being on that side of it. So I said, OK, let me just look into that and see. So I joined as a clinic supervisor in uh, one of the Aster clinics uh, way back in 2003. 
So that was another exciting journey because you've pursued dentistry and then you feel like, you know, so mainly because of the children, I thought that maybe let me, you know, I probably would have a little bit more flexibility, uh, not committed to the clinic hours and things. So that's why I thought, let me venture out into this and see. But yes, I must say I started my journey there and that was one of the best decisions I think I have made. And to transform like that, yes, being in the same industry in healthcare, but to essentially transform your role you're constantly learning, right? Did you ever feel, because I would feel worried and had this fear or, you know, that I wouldn't be adequate enough and, and be knowledged enough in that room that other people have been in that uh, maybe administration for years. Did you feel that? Yeah, it was. It was, of course, you know, I mean, I was very nervous in the beginning. Uh, what am I getting myself into? Can I do this role? I mean, would I be able to, you know, live up to the expectation because they've given me this opportunity? But then again, as I said, no, I, I always loved challenges. Mm. And then I thought that why not? Why not look into this and see what it is for me, you know? Then, of course, as I knew that I was going to pursue this, I started learning a lot on online courses. Then I finally did my MBA in healthcare management as well after two years. So when I decided, when I was very sure that I was going in this direction, I thought that probably I need to really, you know, upgrade myself. So I did a two years MBA and uh, specialized in healthcare management. So yes, as much as it was a very different journey for me, and it was very exciting, nervous, it was mixed feeling. But I think I started enjoying the work and then I was like, you know, so I had to make a decision whether do I need to continue this or do I need to go back to dentistry. But I think the way things happened for me there in the beginning, it was pretty exciting. And I thought that this is something which I'd like to venture into more and see. Mm. And I don't regret my decision. Wow. Well, you're (laughs) sitting here today. We love that. Uh, Now, you have such a focus on internal culture throughout your career. It is something that you are so passionate about as well with the people that you are working with. What does internal culture mean to you with the people that you are working alongside your peers or people that you are managing? See, these are very important people that you deal with and you spend a lot of your time, you know. So it's, this is, I think this is like a home away from home, your workplace. This is what I call. And this is what a culture that I've always created wherever like I've been working or being promoted to hospitals. I've ensured that there is this family culture that's built in. People should have, uh, you know, the trust built. That's one thing which I always feel that, you know, transparency and trust is something which is very important. And once you've developed that and your colleagues trust you, I think the rest of the journey is very easy. It is just to get that trust of the people that, you know, you are there and you are all a family. Things may come, things may go, you know, it can be ups and downs. But at the end of the day, we all stand together. And I think that was what I have, I mean, probably learned that throughout uh, from my childhood. I have been always a team player, you know. So this helped me actually to build that culture of oneness and a family atmosphere and uh, I carry that throughout till now. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. I'm sure if we speak to any of your team, they would they would vouch for it. Uh, one thing, especially during the pandemic, that people kind of lost within themselves was value of self. So many people's jobs got taken away from them. They felt like, oh, I'm so replaceable. How important is it, although we are in- incredibly ambitious, completely driven to be who we want to be, to not make that end goal completely the be all and end all, to somehow detach yourself away from the, it's so hard because your work is so emotional and you love your job, but how do we essentially detach ourselves from it to not take everything so personally as well? 
Well, I think uh, you have to detach yourself at a point, otherwise you get burnt out, mm. you know. So at one time, like, you know, when I was, when I just began, I think I was like a bit of a perfectionist. So it was very difficult to let go. Uh, ultimately, I used to feel that, you know, if I don't do or if I don't get involved in this, uh, it's not going to be the right thing or they may just mess it up. Uh, but over the years, I've learned that if you don't really delegate and give authority to people, you're just going to burn out yourself. You're just going to stress yourself. And so I think to have that bit of a space for yourself, it's very important how you start trusting your people and you delegate uh, with authority. And that's what I think uh, I have started doing that because I think that was one of the negative things that I had found in myself. And I used to live with that for a couple of years where I used to get involved in most of the things and I just that trust element was lost. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, no, I cannot. I mean, I need to also have my space. I need to detach things. I need to start trusting people. They may make mistakes. So, but you have to give them opportunities to learn. And I think that's what I started doing. And uh, ultimately, I found a lot of inner peace in myself once I started doing that, you know. Mm -hmm. Which in turn helps you do your job a bit easier. Very much. Because see, again, you have... You need to spend time with the, the work because, and as well as yourself and the family. So until and unless you detach yourself and you're going to carry back all this back to your home, it's just going to not work at all because you're going to be stressed at work, stressed at home. Mm-hmm. You're just going to lose your peace of mind. So, but I think this that detaching myself and empowering my people really helped me to Absolutely. give space for myself and to give a better feel for the people as well that yes. they are empowered, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where we are was you had moved to administration. And since then, you have gone leaps and bounds. I mean, you really worked your way up the ranks. Can you talk us through that? Because, I mean, it sounds so easy now, worked her way up the ranks, but I imagine it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, uh, it was a very exciting journey and a lot of learning in every step that I took. So I told you I started with a small clinic. Uh, it was in, um, in Kurama, in Aster. So they were not even branded Aster then. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I mean, I was one of the lucky ones who've gone through the transformation journey of uh, small clinics, gone into a whole branding and now into a corporate culture. So very lucky few ones who went through that each and every bit of that branding exercise. So... I think I cherished the journey, which uh, I started in 2003. And then I 2006, I moved to the Astra Hospital, which was then a very small 15-bedded, mostly maternity and surgical hospital. 2006, I started with them. And then, of course, again, from a clinic to a hospital, that's when I decided I need to do my uh, MBA in hospital management because I was going this way. And I had like fully decided this is where I'm going to go. No going back to dentistry anymore. I will start looking and interviewing dentists for this <laughs> Wow, the irony. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) rather than do it myself. Mm. So, you know, so uh, so I did my MBA and then uh, I was in the hospital, Astor Hospital, for three years. So the thing is, the hospital had just started. It was a six-month hospital and the clinic that I was given three years, it started doing really well. We started adding more doctors. So that's when he told me that, you know, you've done well here. I think it's time for you to move on. And as I told you, the family atmosphere that I created, so every time I was told for a promotion, rather than being happy, the first instinct was, oh my God, I'm going to leave these people behind. So that was something because I get emotionally attached very soon. So, and uh, I was like, oh, I don't think I'm ready for this. And, you know, I I was like trying every way to stay back in that place because I didn't want to miss those people. But I guess, yeah, you need to take a step forward if you want to grow in your career. And so when I was in the hospital also, 
uh, this challenge was given to me that, you know, let's see what you do in six months and we're going to reward you if you turn this place because there are a lot of challenges. And I told you, I love challenges. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so what I first did was build the team. Again, I told you, that's what I always feel. I mean, you cannot do anything if you don't have the right team behind you. So I started building that team, the trust, and, you know, that again, that same thing what I'd created in the clinic. So I started doing it in the hospital. And uh, less than six months, so we did achieve more than what was given to us. And that was like a, a great achievement, which where we were all rewarded. And I think that's when the team really got charged up and we were like, we need to do more. So for two years, we did so well that we didn't have, we needed to expand. And then I kept talking about the expansion that we need to have for a hospital because we need bigger space and things. So that's when we have the Medcare Hospital, the multi-speciality hospital, which came up in Dubai in 2007. So again, there was, you know, we were very conservative because at that time, or way back in 2007, not many private hospitals were there in Dubai. It was mostly the government sectors. Uh, so we were like, do we start? But our chairman is as always a visionary leader. He was like, no, we need to venture into uh, you know new areas and see how it is. And we were very lucky to start in a very niche area in Jumeirah. And so we started this multi-speciality hospital. So I was back then again. I was not still a part of Medcare then. Uh-huh. So when it was being built and things, because I was uh, in the Astra Hospital. Wow, okay. Yeah, so... Uh, 2007 March we started this hospital and again multi-speciality so everybody was like wow this is a big hospital new hospital Uh, Medcare became a talk of the town then because like one of the few uh, first private hospitals and 2007 October actually um, again I got this uh, why don't you move to a multi-speciality hospital you've been doing well now there's no space here we need to really rebuild a hospital and things can be taken care of by people who are there. Now, we probably need you there. And as always, <laughs> I told you, I don't know whether it excites me or it makes me emotional mm. when a promotion comes to me. Because, again, I get so attached to the people and they also get attached and it's very difficult. But, yeah, of course, I was within the same group. So that was one thing that was a blessing that I was moving from one place to the other in the same family. Mm. So, so. I declined the offer first and I told them that, no, I think I need to stay back and I need to... And I think for four or five months, I didn't hear from them. I was like, okay, fine. I think, uh, you know, they've probably convinced that I need to be staying there. And then finally, again, one day I got the call that, so where are you moving? (laughs) We're waiting for you to give us a date, (laughs) you know? So, but again, I was like a little excited because again, a new 75 bedded hospital. And unlike Astor, where we had more on the Indian culture, Indian people, you know, this was more of a multi-speciality hospital with a diverse culture. So I thought maybe venturing into that area is also good. And a multi-speciality, as I told you, the other one was a maternity and a surgical hospital. I thought there was a lot of learnings. Yeah, again, with a heavy heart, I said yes, and I moved on. And uh, 2008, I joined in Medcare Hospital as a hospital administrator. And during these promotions, though, I would love to know, do you take a moment just to yourself to acknowledge how far you've come as well because it's so easy for us to just skip over you know we all rush through life and are quickly on to the next thing for you did you did you do that Nimi I had sleepless nights (laughs) when any promotion came to me I think for a couple of days I could not sleep because I was actually nervous confused happy so there was a lot of mixed feelings like am I doing the right thing am I doing the right decision Mm. and so it was not easy Mm. you know but yes every time that I went and I saw that this is what it is yes you feel 
proud of yourself, yes. And you feel proud of the fact that, uh, you know, you were given an opportunity because you've done a good job. Mm -hmm. So that makes you feel, uh, you know, you've accomplished something. Absolutely, and valued within within the company, within the family, as you say. And being a woman in leadership there within these companies, managing all these people, how was that for you? Because... I mean, I don't know much about the healthcare industry. You would definitely be able to tell me more. Uh, What is the culture there when it comes to gender equality? So when I joined, initially, I don't think there was much of uh, like, you know, this, uh, I'm reporting to a lady boss and it's going to be difficult. And so initially I didn't have, but when I came to Medicare, I did face challenge because it was like, People were like, okay, what is she going to do? I mean, we had a CEO, we had people in the uh, higher management and things. And when you start sometimes making some decisions and then, you know, you feel that people are not really happy with this and you really need to push your way. So initially I did have a struggle when I... uh, like joint Medicare hospital. But again, I said, you know, it's it's just how people learn to trust you, how you build that within them. So people had already settled one year within the hospital and then somebody coming in new. And as it was a, as a hospital administrator, I was also given the HR responsibilities. Mm. So that makes you uh, more empowered to make a lot of decisions. So when, you know, when even I had to terminate a couple of staff, because maybe because you you just felt that they were not doing the right job. And so I still remember when I did the first termination after that, when I came, everybody's, oh, my God, this lady is like, she's here to throw all of us out, Mm. you know. So it was challenging. I must say the first six months that I was in Medicare was a lot of challenges. And to the extent that sometimes I used to go back home and cry. I mean, did I really make the right decision? Do people really want me there? I mean, you know, I felt like I was just not need. I mean, people just didn't welcome me there. So initial stages was really not the the best of the times, I would say. But yes, as I told you, I thought that, you know what, I need to really do something to get these people uh, trust me and make sure that they all say the reverse of what they think now. So I started working personally with my colleagues one-on-one and trying to, you know, build that relationship. And honestly, after a couple of months, I think everybody came back to me saying that, you know what, we thought you were really an arrogant lady who's come here to just, you know, boss around us, but uh, we feel so comfortable. So I think that was what I would call my success, where, you know, I could really get to bind people together. And I get very emotional when I say that as well, because, uh, you know, getting all the people who literally thought that, you know, I had come there to destroy their peace of mind, to throw these people out, were my best friends then. Mm. It's interesting because for the people that are being managed, we forget that the manager is a human being as well. And we all have the same goal. We all want to succeed. Let's do it together rather than against each other, right? Yes, exactly. So even the CEO there, you know, he told me that, you know, uh, so he also used to be very cold, you know, very cold when I go in. And then when we really, we are still the best of friends. I still, Aww. I mean, he's left us and gone, but still, I would say he's one of uh, very close friends, dear friends. So he was also telling me that, you know, we really uh, thought that, you know, you were not the person who could gel along with us, but so glad that you came here. And uh, so that transformation I made in that place really gave me a lot of excitement because uh, we had like around 27, 28 nationalities then. So it wasn't easy because, you know, people come from different culture. It's so difficult to convince people about things. But I think, again, I was uh, very successful in building a great team. Mm. And I think this, that success story started uh, there and we're still continuing that. What's interesting is as a woman stepping into a field like that, into an office uh, with people who are feeling that way towards you, 
Were you conscious of your persona and the energy you were giving across? Because I feel as women, we have to adjust who we really are in order to cater to the people around us. Were you were you conscious of that? Yes, initially I was conscious, Nimi. I was very conscious. Like, you know, everything that I told or I did, I should think twice on how people would think. What would they think about, you know? But I think, yes, after some time I decided, like, I mean, you know, it really doesn't matter what they think. I need to make sure that I'm making the right decision. I follow what my gut says. Mm. And that's one thing I learned. Because you cannot please everybody. You cannot make the right decisions all the times. But again, what I decided was, what do I feel is right? What is my gut feeling about this? So let me listen to that. I mean, I do listen to what people have to say. But let me not go with that. But probably a combination of the both and see what is the ideal thing that I need to make a decision. Yes, it is not It is not very easy in the beginning to do that because as women, we always feel, you know, you just step back and say that, okay, maybe this is not the best way to do things, you know. But I think this is what I would say that you should always believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. This is my quote that I always quote to my, you know, my employees when they join and things that, that believing in yourself is something that I learned then because wherever I used to shy away, I used to go back home. I used to just recreate the whole day and see, okay, uh, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? So every day before going to bed, I used to analyze myself on the whole day because then I understood, you know, where did I go wrong? Or why didn't I take this decision? Why did I shy back from that? I should have just done that. So when I started getting these doubts, I thought, no, I, I, you know, I need to be more stern in my decision making about myself, what I think, you know, not for... The, And I think I started training myself on that. I started training my mind because I think it's all in the mind. And once you start training your mind on that, I started taking bold decisions, which probably I wouldn't have taken in the initial days. I was like, let me see what happens. You know, it's not the end of the world. And I think those bold decisions made some good impacts on the business and things. So I would you say... You think absolutely they did. Um, so you're, you're basically doing like a self-analysis at the yeah. end of the day to kind of summarize. So you know what I'll tell you when I learned the self-analysis is when I was a child, my dad used to always keep telling us, uh, me and my sister, that before you go to bed, at the end of the day, you need to see what all you, you did in your day. And he used to say that if you did anything wrong, you need to say sorry and ask God for forgiveness. You should see if you've hurt anybody. You should go say sorry to the other person. So we were taught that from childhood. So this is the analysis that I used to keep doing for myself every now and then when I was in college, even till today. And I teach that to my kids as well. It's important that you analyze what you have done and how do you correct it and how do you rectify it. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of difference in your life. Personally and professionally, yes, right? Both, both. Very helpful. So you're at Medcare and you have uh, established your team now. They're on your side. They see you truly for who you are in a very positive light. What happens then? What are the big <laughs> achievements now that you are striving towards and that you have goals in mind and you have now achieved? Talk us through that journey. Yeah, so I think I've been in the group for 19 years now. Wow. It was a beautiful journey. So I'm proud that, uh, you know, now I am the group CEO for the Medcare hospitals and clinics. So as I said, we have four hospitals, we have 18 clinics. We've grown a long way and still growing and want to expand beyond uh, the UAE. So, you know, how do we go about, again, as I told you, uh, you have the right people in the right place. I think uh, you can dream big. That's what I say. And uh, that's what we're doing now. We are dreaming really big how to be the best healthcare provider, not only in the UAE, but across the world. 
So this is something which we are taking up. You know, we're looking at expanding our hospitals. We are looking at expanding, again, looking going into the probably internationally and seeing how we can do it. And um, also concepts of how do you move from illness to wellness. So we are venturing into a lot of new ideas across the area. So again, as I told, what I've done is delegation with authority. And then I have a strong team now that, you know, who believe that they can also, they do a great job. And I think that's one of the most important things. I have COs in uh, most of the hospitals where they take their decisions, where they independently. What I believe is always that uh, I open up ideas and I wait for feedbacks. So it's not that I decide and they follow. I don't uh, believe in that. As a leader, I think it's very important that you collectively make decisions with your team Mm -hmm. because you never know who has the best idea, you know. So we always have, we also have something called, uh, you know, uh, all your ideas matter. So we have a box where people can put in, now it's gone online, of course, they can log in online and put in any ideas. And you will not believe that sometimes idea comes from a housekeeping staff as well, you know. So some things like, you know, which you never, because on a world hard day, so this was one of the technicians who gave us an idea. Why don't we switch off all the elevators and people should take the stairs? Imagine, I mean, it's such a nice idea for a world hard day. I mean, you know, so small, small things. So so I think that's what I've been doing. Like, I mean, listening to my people and getting more ideas and seeing how we can work on it together. And... Um, Yes, uh, basically looking at uh, more expansion plans in the uh, UAE. We are looking at a 100-bedded hospital coming up soon. I mean, of course, it will take time. It's a greenfield project. But how to expand into the probably London market and the other GCC countries as for now. Mm, I have no doubt those would be achieved at all. Tell me more about your Women in Leadership program, because I'm so fascinated (coughs) by that. Was that at Medcare? So it was an Astrodium Healthcare. So uh-huh. across the group, we had this program called Tessin, mm-hmm. where we wanted to empower our women staff, you know, and majority of our staff being in healthcare are on the nursing category. So you have a lot of this nursing category. So our chairman is very passionate about the fact that, you know, a nurse should not be deprived of a position that they do not, they cannot come up in the management. You should give them opportunities. Uh, So a nurse cannot retire as a nurse. She can be a nursing officer, even to the extent a CEO of the hospital, you know. So we started this program wanting to empower uh, the women in our group uh, into different positions. So we started this program and then we had mentors. So we we had these people register for the program, whoever were interested to join this. And then we kept a mentor for each one of them who they could shadow. And I think it was a very beautiful journey that we had where we used to, they used to, literally, I had people who used to come sit with me during my work hours, see how I used to work and, you know, again, take feedback from them. So this program, we had continued, we had a lot of projects assigned for them. And we identified, I think, around 50 to 60 people in the organization who were leaders over here. And from then, we identified who are those who could get promoted to other levels. And we have a lot of those in the managerial positions and senior manager positions then we had identified and still successfully running the show for us. Yeah, so I think it is uh, because most of the time what I would say is people are reluctant to take the first step. So once that first step is taken and then that, you know, that they feel their confidence, I think then the journey becomes easy. And there is where a mentor will help you. Mm. So that's why I felt that, uh, you know, we felt every person should be given a mentor because to guide them 
as and when required, not just leave them alone and just, you know. So that really helped mold them because every time they knew that they could go to their mentor, they could always reach out to somebody who could give them a real-time advice, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's what we got the feedback also, that, you know, that mentoring really helped. And they used to see, you know, as role models, you know, and they want to make sure that, okay, one day I want to reach this position. One day I want to be somebody like one of you all. Mm -hmm. And that aspiration, I think, really, we saw that, I mean, so much of that positivity in those uh, ladies and girls that we had taken. And uh, we're very proud they're still with us in very high roles now also. So since you started in healthcare, I guess uh, the dentistry aside, but when you started in administration, have you seen a transformation to now? We're talking, you said 19 years years, since you started in administration. 19 years, have you seen a transformation of women in exec positions? Very much, Nimi, very much. From when I started to where we are now, of course, we are blessed to having a leader in a female role because mm-hmm. we are I mean uh, our managing director is a female and that itself is a very proud thing for us you know so she also I mean really looks at you know how do you have more employees as females in the senior executive role so we do have in the board members like I mean in the senior leadership role we have a um, lot of females in the roles and I think yes because now people have become more aware unlike before I would say people I mean ladies were shy to come into this position they all as I told you, you know we as women doubt ourselves we don't feel that we probably are not ready but I think that's something you underestimate yourself mm-hmm. and that's what I keep telling everybody don't I mean you know there is nothing as a gender that should stop you from doing what you want to do mm-hmm. in some jobs yes there are physical restrictions but still I say did anybody try it out? I mean, is it, is this really impossible or can we really do it? So I don't think there's anything that can stop you because of your gender from doing any sort of a job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the thing that I was like, there was a huge transformation in our, our company as well, where we see lead, women leadership coming up and, you know, there's a lot of uh, women in senior positions taking decisions. And people are accepting it, unlike probably before, you know, uh, people were reluctant to report to a lady boss. Oh, I need to report to a lady. The the male ego comes in, you know. So I think that is slowly going by and people are accepting the fact that, you know, there is a gender equality. There is nothing like, I mean, you're a female, you're a male. And I see that huge transformation in the last two, three years where people are looking at hiring ladies more. Mm. And my favorite is uh, Jack Ma, the owner of Alibaba. Mm. So he was asked, why do you uh, have more women in your company? So, you know, he has uh, almost more than 70% or something uh, women in his company. And he was like, you know, they I have more women because I feel that they look after others more than themselves. That's how God has created them. And I feel that if I have more women in my company, they take care of my company like nobody else can do. So this actually inspired me like, you know, it's so true. We have been naturally gifted by God to take care of our houses, our children. And I think we show that same passion while taking care of it. It's your company and home. I think we don't show a difference. We work, I say always, uh, we work with our brain and heart just not just the brain alone. Mm-hmm. And that sets us apart, I guess. That is absolutely beautiful. And I would love to end end the episode with that note because everything that you shared today has just been so beneficial, not just to me. <laughs> I feel like I'm just here alone with you, but to everyone listening, I'm sure. So Dr. Shanila, thank you so much for making time to be with us here today. And we wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Demi. It was really a pleasure to have me here.
Thank you. Women in Leadership brought to you by Heron Code.